This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. After leaving teaching because of some serious burnout, she vowed to build the community she wished existed when she needed it most. She went from classroom teacher to an educational consultant, instructional designer, and six-figure business owner. Now, she's here to help you achieve happiness and work-life balance, whether inside or outside the classroom. Come join our discussion as we talk about managing teacher burnout, career transitions outside the classroom, starting a side hustle, and everything in between. Here's your host of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast and your new personal cheerleader, Daphne Gomez. Welcome to the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Daphne Williams. I have a very fun guest for you here. It is Joe Mr. D. Dombrowski. You may have seen Joe on The Ellen Show when he broke the internet in 2017 with a fake spelling test that he gave to his fourth grade class as an April Fool's prank. Joe has been performing and writing comedy professionally since 2010 when he got a start in his hometown of Detroit, Michigan. Listen in as Joe and I chat about how he uses his huge fan base and comedy to bring awareness and advocate for change in the systematic issues that teachers face. Hello, Joe. How are you doing today? Oh my God, so good. This is my first thing of the day today. Oh, I thought you were going to say your first podcast. This is my very first podcast interview. Um. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's so funny. My full, my whole day today is all podcast interviews for both like others and my own. So this is the first one. You got me fresh. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I have been a huge fan for forever, and I'm sure that my audience is probably familiar with who you are. But for anybody who's just kind of learning about you um, or hearing your voice for the very first time, can you give me a little insight into your experience in teaching and then why you are um, pretty well known in the teacher world? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Joe Dombrowski, I have been an elementary teacher. This this would be my 12th year in education. Um, all elementary, all elementary gen ed have taught everything kindergarten through sixth grade with the exception of first and second. Um, love it. Love teaching. Fabulous uh, profession. Not a not um, anything that I regret at all. However, I think it's healthy to have multiple passions. And my other passion has always been comedy. And I was actually a little known unknown fact as I was a stand-up comedian uh, when I was eight years old for my third grade talent show. So funny how things come full circle. So uh, now I am a full-time stand-up comic touring the world. And um, like you said, a lot of teachers may know me because I do a lot of 
teacher comedy, keeping it real about education, saying all the things that teachers can't say, which kind of built up this niche, but also very broad audience of people who are teachers, are parents, want to hear about teaching, are interested, like hearing funny stories about kids. Um, and the, the audience is pretty massive due to some viral videos that happened a while back that I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Uh, I think that actually segues into this next question really well. Uh, because in your comedy on your Instagram, on your you know TikTok videos, all of your presence, you are very, very honest. You make a lot of jokes that a lot of teachers can resonate with, but you do so in a way that keeps a really positive attitude to find the humor in, you know, usually pretty stressful situations. Has that always come naturally to you? Oh, yeah, that's just who I am. The funny thing about it, too, is people like people who know me, like childhood friends and cousins and family members they'll they say this when they come to my shows and they say this when they watch my videos online they're like that's just joey like who we've always known who would light up a room when he would come to a birthday party or whatever it was so it's really just me and who i am and i am have always been unfiltered like you know when something you're in a meeting especially like a staff meeting and everybody is thinking this one thing about this about what is being directed to us, but nobody says anything. I am not that girl. Like I am the person who will be in the meeting. I'll be like, actually, no. And that's just like who I've been. But the thing is, is I don't, I don't, I don't think I'm crass. I don't think I'm aggressive. I don't think I'm blue by any means, but I speak my mind through the lens of comedy because I feel like that's an inviting way to get people to think or at least open their mind a little bit to your side of the story, which is, which is what I do in my comedy. I like to, what I, it's, it's a lot of teaching. It's a lot of teaching stuff, right? But I wrote it in a very broad way. And my goal there is really to have non-teachers come to my show, which it, it wasn't always this way, but my shows are now about 50-50, 50% teachers, 50% muggles, which is my term for non-teacher. <laughs> but um, I, what I really want is I want those non-teachers to laugh like crazy, then go in their car and continue laughing with their partner and turn to them and say, why are we laughing at this? This is terrible that teachers have to go through this. We should do something about that. And the reason that I want that to happen is because the truth of the matter is, is it's non-teachers who make the decisions for teachers. And if I can infiltrate their minds through the vessel of comedy, then I feel like I'm making a bigger impact and, you know, arguably even a bigger impact than when I was in the classroom. So there, there is strategy behind these jokes. I love getting that insight. I guess I never really like dove in and, and thought about the way that you were structuring some of the jokes because I have followed you and like lurked on you for a while. And I also love that you talked about, you know, teachers are human beings and they're going to have other passions as well. And yours has been comedy. Uh, with that, you still have a teacher brain. For me, my passion started to become business, which was not something that I like actually thought that I would be really passionate about learning about, but I love it. Um, but do you feel like your teacher brain makes you more enthusiastic and kind of go 
into deeper dives into learning about comedy and like comedy writing structure. Oh yeah. Uh, Like being a teacher made me a better comic and being a comic made me a better teacher for sure. Like my kindergartners were my worst hecklers, like worse than the 45 year old drunk men at a 1030 show on a Tuesday. Like my kindergartners made me stronger and also teaching, especially teaching kindergarten, but teaching period is the art of being able to edutain. Like you have to keep their attention and their minds are so underdeveloped that keeping their attention is quite literally a circus and you are the ringleader. But Mm -hmm. then I'm taking that skill and using that Hogwarts magic, if you will, on a room of 500 adults who will turn you off on a dime and you have to be able to like change your voice use characters uh act do act outs have a story that arcs do callbacks to other jokes that you had before you have to be able to do all that which you also have to do in the classroom so these things these two things i don't think people realize how undeniably well teaching and comedy um, go hand in hand. It was a gift that I actually got to do both. Yeah, my teaching style was very hard on trying to be, you know, the funny, cool teacher, trying to keep lessons engaging because that's how I saw that people were hooked or people, those little people, those little fifth grade people were hooked in and they were paying attention to me and more likely to, you know, um, try things that they would have been hesitant to if I came in like, today we're learning fractions. Like they just, yep. they were a lot more receptive to things. And yep. I love that about you. That's one of those viral videos of what kind of brought you out and I think made you famous is, is really emphasizing your passion to make learning fun for your students. Um, how did your students always react to your sense of humor in the classroom? Yeah, well, the goal has, since day one, my goal has, my, my mantra has always been to make school a place where kids want to be, not where they have to be. And I just did that by being myself. And naturally, I, I mean, I don't mean to tune my own horn, but I'm kind of a funny person. Um, and that is the thing. It's common misconception. People are like, I bet the kids love you. Vast majority, yes. But there are a few kids who don't, who don't resonate with this teaching style, right? And that's cool too, because I feel like the detriment in the education system is that teachers feel like they have to be this cookie cutter individual um, that of what teachers are. I call them like Mary Poppins teachers because they're on the outside practically perfect in every way. And I think that's harmful to students because um, students need to see diversity. They need to see difference in personality, in culture, in style, in in connection. They need to see that difference year after year after year. And students should have a teacher who they don't actually like connect with so deeply every once in a while so that they can learn how do I still function when I'm not necessarily naturally drawn to the leader, right? I think that's healthy. Um, but being myself in the classroom allowed me to be a better teacher and and putting my own zhuzh on the curriculum allowed me to be a better teacher too. And I think we need to foster teachers letting loose and kind of like making it their own in the classroom. And it's so sad that people just don't think like that. It, it really just grinds my gears.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I do feel like now that there's a lot of social media teachers that are letting people kind of get a glimpse and, (laughs) but not, okay, I can, I can say some sassy things too, but I would say that there are a lot of people who are showing what their own unique teaching style looks like. And it's making people who maybe hadn't had exposure to what different teaching styles would look like. It's, it's an easier way for them to actually see Other teachers are doing their own unique thing. That gives me the permission to be myself in the classroom as well. And I do like that. I like seeing. I'll give you that. Okay, now you can say your salty comment. No, 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 it's not salty. It's not salty. (laughs) So when I actually started to put some of my like things that I was doing in the classroom online, it's because I worked in a, uh, like my team was two, me and one other teacher. And we just didn't like, we did not get along, but we didn't vibe. We had two, she was type a i'm like a a and not alcoholics anonymous like a a and i'm total type b like i thrive in the chaos my desk is nothing but piles but maybe i know what those piles mean you know that's me so we weren't kind of like doing it and then when i turned to the internet to look at these other teachers and what they were doing not only did it give me hope but it gave me more ideas to implement things because there's teachers all over the world who are also teaching fourth grade and i can pull what they're doing but we need to t- say to teachers that if you dare to compare, you will wind up in despair. They shouldn't look like there. There's a mask behind social media and the vast majority of the social media teachers are giving you the highlight reel as they should. But it, you got to keep that in mind and realize that their day isn't perfect. You know, they're going through struggles. There are things that you're not seeing here. Sure. Their reading bins are perfectly color coded and, and pristine, but can they teach guided reading? Like, you know what I mean? So just a little grain of salt. I feel like this might be very controversial to say because I haven't ever said it on the podcast, but there are some classrooms with perfectly colored bins that are actually studio sets in the back of people's houses that have quit teaching long years before. Ba-da-boom, baby. Ba-da-boom. Quick shout out to my... um, to my friend Michelle Griffo from Apples and ABCs, who openly says, I'm not in the classroom right now. This is my business. But um, she's like one in a million. You know what I mean? There's so many people who do that. And I'm just like, come on. Beat, do you agree with me too? Like if we were real about that and like being able to capitalize on all the skills that teaching taught you to be able to do something else, because let's just like call it what it is. You're not going to make no money, honey. Like you're going to live this life of poverty. Like I had my first five years. I'm not even kidding you. There were multiple times where I would get my paycheck, pay my bills, which is my car loan, my rent, my student loans, like pay all of my bills. And then the next day after being paid, have to choose from groceries or gas in my car. Honest story. Oh, yeah. I barely made my rent 
living in Los Angeles yeah. on my teaching salary with a master's. With a master's, right, me too. And I remember too, I got when I got my first paycheck, I asked my mom, I was like, is this right? She laughed in my face. She's like, yes, this is right. It was three numbers, three numbers. And the first <laughs> one wasn't even a nine, okay? That's an issue. And then on top of that, you know, moving out and trying to, and I was working three jobs. I was teaching, but before I would go teach, I'd wake up in the morning, be a spin instructor. And then after I'd go do sets in the comedy clubs for 20, 50, 100 bucks if I'm lucky, just to make up for that. And I'm exhausted, but that is the life of a teacher. So if you can use all these amazing skills that this beautiful profession has taught you, and it's not working for you because you need to what survive then baby survive 100 percent. yes just the the facade of keeping it optimistic and and talking about all the great things about teaching but also being real if you have left the classroom and your instagram looks like you're in a classroom and you know that 50% of your audience might be struggling and need some realness. Um, it might be time to be transparent. So kudos to your friend for being transparent and saying, I did what I needed to do for my own mental health. And that's okay for other people as well. Uh, mental health, financial health. I'm so health. grateful for this podcast. Honestly, I wish more people were doing what you're doing. I truly mean that. I, I mean, I struggle a little bit and i know that everybody who listens to the podcast knows that i am very intentional about the way that i approach this message but i know that it's not a one-size-fits-all answer for anybody and so i urge anyone who's listening to this especially because they're just listening to this because joe's on and i know that there's probably going to be a potential <laughs> for that to go back and listen to episode one or two where i talk about the signs and the different things that you should do before thinking of leaving teaching but yeah. it is 100 percent okay to leave teaching if you have really thought about it and it's been something that your you know heart mind has struggled with for years it's okay for you to take that next step and take a chance with that, I want to kind of push a little bit into your decision to leave teaching for comedy. It was a couple years ago, the first time that you left for comedy. Did you struggle with that decision? I did struggle with that for quite a bit. And kind of just like looping back to like what we were just talking about, it's a perfect segue, is um, I was in a really dark spot in my career. Uh, just completely undersupported with kids who needed so much more than what I and the school was able to offer and just crying every day when I would come home thinking so, such negative things about myself and sadly the profession and I was not a good teacher I was not a good teacher at that year right and um I made the conscious decision to leave. And I think that that was the best decision that I could have made for the kids and for the classroom. And this is one of the hardest underrepresented, underappreciated professions in the world. And it is hard. And teachers need to be able to say that if you are burnt out and it is not for you, it is okay to leave for the sake of the kids, because they need teachers who are like there for them. They need teachers who are ready to go recharge and do it. But it also might not be leaving. It's a detriment that we have this mindset that teachers have to teach the same grade forever. If you're getting a little burnt out, go to sixth, see if you like it. Drop down to kindergarten. Maybe it's gonna recharge you in that thinking, 
on your feet every single day. Whatever it is, like change is going to make you a better person. But for some, you might need to be real with yourself and say, I got to go. And there's this weird stigma that when you leave teaching, you get this scarlet letter of like, you couldn't take it or you're now less than. And I think that is so wrong because we need people in this profession who are going to care about the kids. And if you mentally cannot do that at the time being, for whatever reason, it is so honorable to recognize that within yourself and step out. So my journey was, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) And there was that. And now let me actually get to the question. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I you have Just been dying qu- you have been dying to have a vent session about this. Well, you know what? It's kind of funny that you said that like I don't often get opportunities to like speak about this in real time. So god, I'm already just like so appreciative that you asked me to be a guest because this is like I feel like this is where these things get said. And yes, I'm a very funny person and yes, I do comedy, but like I have like thoughts and passion and depth to who I am also. So it's cool to be able to you know, not just be the funny guy. So this is great. Thank you for having me. Back to my journey. (laughs) I uh, was teaching fifth and juggling comedy, and I was at this point where it was really difficult, and I definitely was at the point where I was like, okay, this is hard. I'm really not making the money, and I have an opportunity to really take on my other passion, which is uh, stand-up. And I had an opportunity to take my tour to the next level and not only do a full tour of the US, but Australia and Canada as well. It was one of those things that you just can't say no to. Uh, So I took it and left uh, that year. Do not regret that decision by any means. It was to make it in comedy, to be able to support yourself full time is like a real step, right? So I'm touring Canada, the pandemic happens, all my dates are gone. And I come back and I'm just like sitting here with all this time on my hands waiting for the world to reopen. And I'm like, hey, it's not that I don't like teaching. I've always loved it. But here I am sitting here doing nothing with skills and degrees to be able to do this at a time when teachers are getting out of this profession more than ever because of health reasons or whatever it is. Maybe I should give my skills for a minute. And Right around the time my brain starts going like that, a kindergarten position opens up down the street from my house because they uh, they opened up more sections of classes to make the class sizes smaller, and they needed a kindergarten position. Applied, got it, and it was the best year of my teaching career. The best. It was my first year teaching kindergarten. I found that that was the place for me. I absolutely loved every single minute of it, and uh, it, it was a joy. Then the year ended and I was offered to come back, but I also, the world was opening up a little bit and I had an opportunity to really take my tour to the next, next level. And I was given an opportunity to be able to tour and teach at the same time. But I decided that that might not be appropriate because when you leave your five-year-old baby with the teacher, like there's so much worry in those parents as is. I don't need them worried that their teacher's traveling the country then coming back on Mondays to be with their kid again. Plus other teachers in the building, I don't want them to be uncomfortable being around me. So I decided that this was going to be the year that I, I did not go back for real. And, um, you know, if I have a huge chunk of time where I'm able to quarantine for a little bit, then maybe go back and sub and help out, by all means, I will. But I don't think it's appropriate for me to be in the classroom right now. With that said, I'm 
quadrupling down on comedy and it's been alarmingly successful and uh i'm loving my life and where things are going and i i've never been happier regardless of where my career takes me i'm always going to have the backs of educators and uh paint them in the light that they need to be lit talk about a couple things that I heard you say. First, talking about the stigma that teachers face with leaving the classroom when they know they are doing a disservice to their students. It's so funny and it's something that I talk about a lot is teaching is like the one career that is you sign an invisible contract and it's your forever career. Whether or not it's the first career you chose when you were 19 years old, um, whether you are in the classroom for three years, for 17 years, the second that you decide, hey, I I might not do this anymore, the stigma, you know, starts to, the wave comes down on you of you must not care about the kids, even if you cared about them for 17 years or three years or went and dedicated, you know, getting a master's for this profession. It, it's very hard for people to accept that you can do both things. You can still care about kids and still have to walk away and not know what's going on on the other end of that decision to walk away because it is usually not an overnight flippant decision. It's something that you thought was going to be your quote unquote forever career. And it's something that probably kept you awake at night. But I also love how open you are about the idea of coming back because I am still the same way. Um, I don't know what school would hire me looking at my podcast page, they might say, well, she's, you know, she's got fight or flight symptoms. (laughs) She's going to leave halfway through this school year. But I always want to keep it open because we change and adapt as human beings. We constantly are growing and evolving and keeping an open mind to, I don't know what's going to happen in five years or 10 years. And I did love working with students. So I love both of those things that you touched. Did you, and if this is too personal, just tell me to kick rocks. I'm an open book. Have to explore any counseling or therapy to help you come to that decision because that is something that's very common with a lot of teachers who are thinking of leaving. Uh, did I have to? Yes. Did I actually go through with it? No. And I that is like a detriment on my part because I, let me tell you what, growing up as a little gay boy in the Midwest, that is called childhood trauma. So do I need to check myself in? Yeah. Comedy is literally releasing your trauma on stage to strangers. So I think that comedy is kind of like how I save myself. Like I let it out through this lens of humor. Um, and I feel like safe and protected, but like, should I actually do it? Yes. Have I been meaning to? Yes. Am I an advocate for it? Oh, yes. But I have allowed my Detroit hustles harder mindset to just work nonstop. But I do definitely make time for self-care. I block off time on my schedule for for me. Sometimes if I have like an insanely busy week, I'll take one day and tell my whole team, like, don't call me. Just let me be like, I want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix all day and eat like Thai food and just leave it on the counter and then wake up the next day and then clean my apartment. Like, that's what I want. So um, no uh, actual help. (laughs) just (laughs) helping myself. I love that you block off time for self-care too. And that's something that it feels so silly. I've had people come on and they are experts in this. It feels so silly to have to say that we 
have to, but by nature, if we are people who go into the helping profession, we are naturally inclined to put everybody else's needs and priorities over our own needs and priorities. And this does not come naturally to us. We burn ourselves out in every profession. Even after you leave the classroom, you are going to struggle with, you have to write it down to remember to not be helping, to not be taking care of other people's needs or working ahead to make sure it's easier on other people. You have to work on yourself. And it feels silly, but it's just something that teachers struggle with. I quote RuPaul all the time, and it's so true in teaching more than anything else. If you can't love yourself, how are you going to love somebody else? And I don't know if you're familiar with child psychologist Dr. Jody Carrington at all, but she always says, you know, as teachers, you're expected to hold the hearts of these babies, right? But if nobody's holding the heart of the teacher, then how can you expect them to do that job? And it's so undeniably true that if you are not, if if nothing in your life is helping you, then you cannot be perfect for the kids. And and the kids need teachers who are like present, who are there, who are ready to take it on, who are ready to go. And there are options that people don't know about. There are... It, I'm going to go ahead and say anybody who works here in a public school who's listening to this and you've worked for, I'm going to say maybe five or more years, you have the option to take a one-year sabbatical. Take one year. Your job will be guaranteed when you come back. Maybe not in the same grade or building, but you'll have a job when you come back. Take one year and explore you. Take another job in something else you've always wanted to do. Travel for a year if you have the financial stability to do that. Like, See what your options are and take them. And also... Just people are so afraid that when you leave, that you'll get a job in another uh, district and you won't be granted the years that you went back and you're going to come back at base pay. Yeah, that's true for some places. It is not true for everywhere. And, you know, there are a lot of other schools who will even let you negotiate your salary. People don't talk about that. And it's this fear of I'm going to lose everything I worked so hard for. But you could also gain. And my mom always instilled with me that um, without risk, there is no reward. And with that, I always choose risk because the reward could be so high. And um, that is something that teachers would tell their students, right? So why don't you believe it for yourself? Uh, I wish I could really quick do a Google so that I don't say the wrong word, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it and have a word salad moment. And you can correct me if you know the right term for it. But is it conscious bias where people are looking for something that confirms what they are already thinking? So they're thinking, it. I can't leave and go to a different district because it sounds scary. It's a lot of work and you don't know if it's going to be better over there. And so one person says, oh, I went over there and I, you know, it, it you're not going to be able to get the same um, the same salary. And so they say, OK, well, that's my data. That's my research. That one person said that thing. Yeah. And I don't know if it's conscious bias. I don't I don't know either. But it, it is true that people naturally seek out advice of which they wish to hear. So you'll even go to a person who left who you might know is like <laughs> going to give you the answer you want. And then you hear it and you're there with it. And it's like, no, nothing in life is guaranteed. Even though I'm saying this, it's not 
it, it might not work out for you, but it could. So like take the opportunity, do your own, you know, call different schools, see if they're hiring. They're legally obligated to share their salary schedule. Like look at your options. They're there for you. I've heard from so many people. I thought, you know, some of the first pieces of advice that I give to teachers who are thinking of leaving to change grades because sometimes your grade level te teachers suck and they make you feel uncomfortable. And if you got moved to third grade, you might have better time with classroom management. You might mesh better with that team. And that might be the shift that you need. But even just changing districts and demographics, if you haven't tried that approach, it's something to explore before potentially leaving the career, but you can leave the career and be the happiest teacher in the world because we're all human beings and you never sign that invisible contract. Yep. I want to um, switch gears for a second because Switching. I wanted to talk a little bit more about your time in the classroom. I am imagining having a social media account and going viral in any way opens up a lot of opportunities for fun criticism from parents. Did that ever happen to you during your teaching career? I mean, yes, but the truth is not as often as people would think. People often think that like the parents must hate this and like have a lot to say about it. It really only happened maybe like once or twice. And both times were like not bad, not like mean, just skeptical. And I think that that's appropriate because like parents should be, you know, they should be curious if their teacher is doing something like this and I do not advise anybody <laughs> try to do what I'm doing unless you got the chops to take the heat because it is rough but for the parents for the most part after a while I think they realize I don't paint the kids in a negative light I don't give out their names I do not show their faces in my podcast I would change names and genders for the safety of the students and uh, really understanding the legality here, but more than le the legality, like the betterment of the child. And uh, I think they really understood that. But also when they understood my why that I, like I'm, I'm actually using comedy as the vessel to better my profession. That's when they were really like, okay, let this guy go. Let him, let him do his thing, which was cool. Um, the couple times where I've had like concern or criticism from parents, my luckily I've had bosses that marry much would deflect that and say you should talk to him about this not me um because i support what he does so i would love for you to engage with him about it so you can understand why he does what he does and those have been beautiful conversations it's other people it's like the jealous trolls online who like keyboard warriors who have everything to say and behind the safety of their computer will just like unleash and it's like baby come for me i'm not the one <laughs> <laughs> That's that's amazing. I really thought that it was going to be the opposite. That was my assumption. But I had I had a very negative last school year. It was a very toxic work environment for me. And I had just moved from another district to move to Los Angeles to be with my now fiance. And um, I I remember the parents were so you know, trying to find me on social media. And then they very loud and lots of complaints about she's too young to teach our students what makes her qualified. I wasn't that young. So thank you. Um, I, th I think I was still in my early 30s then. But they kept saying, yes. you know, she yeah. looks like she looks like Katy Perry. And I was like, is that a complaint? Is that like, are you writing the <laughs> district? Like, I don't I'm confused. But uh, lots of lots of pushback just based on 
physical appearance Disgusting. and really trying to die. Yeah, very strange just for that one school. Um, Can I ask, did you teach in private school? Was that a private No, school? so it was public. a public school, which I don't say the name of yeah, the I district or anything like that, but I did have the student actor gifted class. Oh, so, yeah. um, So the parents were very entitled in a way that was also um, very much from the admin side would kind of bend over backwards where I was reprimanded for giving the students a spelling test. Um, I gave them the pre-test on a Monday and then the post-test, you know, was going to be on a Friday. And I remember the principal was very upset with me that she didn't, that I did not let her know that I had planned to start giving spelling tests in my classroom. Oh, micromanaging, um, micromanaging. Yeah. And well, because the parents came to her with this concern and I had to politely say, why would they come to the principal over something that they could easily confirm with me in class dojo? Why do you continue to engage these conversations Annoying. that are not? So I'm, my blood's yeah. boiling. Um, but it's I, okay. So <laughs> I always said to the vast majority of my career was in Title I schools. And there was so much beauty there because the parents, I feel, were very much like, this person cares about kids enough to take care of my kid when I'm working two jobs also to get food on the table. So I'm going to let them do their thing, which I very much uh, appreciated when I, we would have that like sense of understanding with each other. But the year that I sold my soul to the devil and went to a very bougie private school, it was a rude awakening about the concerns that they would have and the things that they would write me. I'm like, baby, God, I keep saying that. I don't know what I'm like patronizing these parents for today, but I would be like, how do you, I don't even have the time to talk to you about this. Like, how do you even have the time to think about this? Like you need a job. Like just yeah, like, I can't, it was, it was your job mostly, is not to scrutinize me. Yeah. It was mostly the people that I feel like had a little bit too much time on their hands. Yeah. I want to dig into this a little bit because I told you, I lurk on you a lot. What's <laughs> your beef with the fifth grade? That's all I taught. And so I have some strong opinions here. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful for the experience because I also think that it's weird that in teaching you get these certificates that are such broad like scopes like I'm certified to teach kindergarten through eighth grade that is there's like the difference between each grade level is so immense that, mm -hmm. that can't possibly be legal but it is um so I dabbled in fifth and it's just first of all I'll say this it's not for me I'm glad it was for you and I can't wait to hear why but it is not for me First of all, it smells. Second of all, I cannot deal with the attitudes because a fifth grader, when they, when a, when a kindergartner wants to be mad at you, they will stomp their foot and say, oh, you're a, a poop or something. And then you pretend like you're not laughing and you move on with your day. A fifth grader will look into the depths of your soul and rip out the one thing that you're so self-conscious about. And you're just like, oh my God, like I can't handle it and then like the attitude all of that the prepubescent energy it is not i was le miserable not to mention i'm not smart enough to teach fifth grade they were like mr d you have to teach social studies i'm like the only thing i know about social studies is one time i met a drag queen named nina pinta santa maria but other than that i don't know anything about this still had to teach it and i was just like 
I don't like this curriculum. I'm not even into it. Can I go back to kindergarten where I could teach like volcanoes and dinosaurs? Like that's my jam, which is why I think it's important that teachers explore other grade levels because I now know that fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth is not for me. And I think that that's a good thing to be aware of. But no, 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 never again. And then teaching sex ed, oh, oh, was it hilarious? Yes. But was it like anything I ever want to put myself through again? No. no. I, I, can, I can confirm that's some of the most traumatic times of my life. So those poor students during those sex ed conversations. Right. But that's funny. We had a different perspective because I thought fifth grade was the last leg of if they tried to hurt their feelings, they hurt my feelings. They weren't quite there to find my weaknesses. And I've heard from junior high teachers who had someone say like, oh, Miss So-and-so, like your, your bra's old, your boobs are saggy. And she went home and she was like, they're 100% right. They were 100% <laughs> right. I made a new bra. And that's where my biggest concern was. But my fifth grade students were independent enough to remind me of things like, Mon isn't Monday get your journal out day? And I'm like, shoot, it sure is. Oh, Thank see, you. I hated like, that. I hated but that. But kindergarten scares me so much because they are, I'm a worrier. I was not a fan of field trips or things where I oh, would be same. responsible for people's children's safety and I felt like kindergarten at all times and maybe it's because the first time that I subbed kindergarten it was one of the first sub experience that I had a little girl said I can't breathe oh. and I'm like I'm sorry what does that what does that mean hold on let's call the cops let's call the ambulance like what what does I can't breathe mean and then another little kid started crying and um was saying things in Spanish. He was an English language learner. But I was like, what is he saying? And they're like, they, he said he can't breathe. And I'm like, no, I don't like this. I'm out. Like, I don't know what to do oh here. Oh, my God. I thrive in that chaos. <laughs> and just children just not breathe, saying that they can't breathe. Well, no. But I feel like my ADHD thrives in kindergarten, where it's like there is so many fires that you have to put out in the same millisecond that I can do it. But like you said too, everything that you're saying about fifth grade and why you like it is exactly why I don't. Like them correcting me on my stuff, I'm like, oh God, like this is a me, like I should be better at this. But in kindergarten, they don't know school. They don't know anything. So everything that you do, it's like the first, so they're like, oh, this is what school is. There is no wrong. There is no forgetting because, oh yeah, the teacher just like changes every once in a while. Like, and I was like, ha this is good for me. But I like, I also like laughing with them, seeing them become funny and not necessarily laughing at them. And fifth grade was right where some of them were really starting to shine. I remember one student, where I like could not give him a high five. I had to marry Poppins teacher it. But I said, you know, everybody put the balls away. Everybody put your balls away. And he said, that's what she said. And all the class laughed. And I was like, God, that was such a good one. Like, good yeah. for you. You earned you earned the praise of your peers with that. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. I feel you. I feel you. And I, I don't feel like I would have gotten that in kindergarten. And that's such a strange you thing. Wouldn't. But. Mm -mm. But see, the, I, I laugh. I love when they don't even know they're being funny because they're just talking to you. Like, they're just, like, saying things. Like, I had a kid. I can laugh at myself. I can always take a joke on myself. And I dyed my hair before I left for tour. And the class, when, when you change anything about your physical appearance to a kindergarten class, they're like, what is happening? Are you the same person? Like, that is kindergarten. So I dyed my hair. And they're like, why did you do that? I'm like, I wanted to look a little bit younger. And one of my students said, 
but what are you going to do about your face? <laughs> and I, I loved that. I was like, what am I going to do about my face? Like, you're not wrong, you know? And like, that's the type of stuff that I laugh at. And she, to this day, has no idea how terrible that is to say to somebody which is why I love it. I, I definitely had students draw a picture of me. And at the time I was saying, I don't know how they knew I was single, but they were like, here's a picture of your imaginary boyfriend. And he oh. had a t-shirt on that said, I'm old. And that was oh. unprompted. I don't know why he was wearing an I'm old t-shirt, but I still am a fan of that. I would be too. I mean, it's a good it's a good burn. Whoever, whoever Miss Williams is dating, he's gotta be you know, really, really confidently shouting from the mountaintops how old he is. <laughs> I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about what's your next move? What are you up to? And also the social studies podcast, which is blowing up and huge and fun to listen to. It is blowing up. That was a really awesome quarantine project that I took on. So what am I up to? I am currently on tour. Um, I don't know when this comes out, but cities that I'm coming to that you could probably catch me October. at. October. Oh, yeah. Lots of October. This is coming out in October? Mm-hmm. Okay. So San Diego, all of Texas, Irvine, Tempe, uh, Nashville. Um, there's more. You can check out my website, mrdtimes3.com for tickets. It's uh, So that's really sucking up my time. I've been filming a couple commercials, which is cool. Uh, that was really interesting, a, a direction I never saw myself going into, but really liked it. Um, I just shot a commercial with Chevy for their back to school campaign, which is really, really special and very nice. And other than that, just writing, writing, writing. I'm working on some bigger projects that I would love to launch in 2022. We'll see if that happens. But the podcast is really my uh, baby. Just started it on a whim, being bored in quarantine, and it took off, um, especially when I started talking about what happened in kindergarten every day. And since then, not being in kindergarten, I've pivoted, and I take submissions from the fans, and I read about the chaos that has happened in their teaching life, and then I read to the audience what has gone on and give my commentary on the chaosity that is the education system and it is um great called social studies you can get it wherever you listen to your podcast and it is just just fun a fun little thing to listen on your drive to work well i am so happy that you came on here and especially that you are still dedicating yourself to continuing to impact education in the way that you are whether it's bringing you know laughter to stressed out teachers days or kind of shedding a light on the issues that education's facing by promoting it to your larger audience just kudos to you and i'm just so excited that i got to meet you finally oh well thank you this has been a joy and please keep me posted when this comes out i'll definitely put this on blast for you this has been a fun one awesome thank you so much thank you I want to give a huge thank you to Joe for coming on to speak to this community and share his story. Do not forget to go check out his website and see if he's touring near you so that you can have a fun night out with some teacher friends and see him. If you've been enjoying this podcast, make sure you subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are aired. And thank you so much for being a part of this community. And I'll see you on the next episode of the Teacher Career Coach Podcast. Mm-hmm.